Hi, I'm Adam. I'm Dave. And I'm Jason. And this is ListWise. Welcome to the ListWise podcast. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to go after an internet list from Oxygen.com. And this is five of the most shocking wrongful convictions. Ooh! So one nightmare you may have is that you're wrongfully convicted about something and you end up not just going to jail and getting in trouble for a little while, but years of your life just getting burnt up. Are you guys ready to go over this list? Yeah, Yeah, I guess. And, And I think we should let people know. Adam's walking us through this list. We decided with this internet list, we, Jason and I, are going in blind. We thought it'd be fun if he picked out a crazy list, and then we just get to experience it for the first time. So we're hearing it with you right now. Yep, exactly. And one of the criteria was we're going to have fun with this, but um, how are we going to do that with this subject? I don't know. Maybe it won't be fun. Maybe this will be a serious one. <laughs> I but, can't be serious. Hey, I can we all talk the- interestingly like, and next? On the list, we've got, you know, something yes. something crazy, like ominous. It's crazy. All right. And in fact, listeners, just so you know, I haven't even shared the link to this article. No, we don't have so it in front of us. We're just we gonna have, have nothing. P- pure reaction to what I'm going to talk about here. So this article came out in 2018 by an author called uh, Salmya Krishnamurthy. Credit going there. And so the number, the number five of the most shocking wrongful convictions. You guys probably heard of this, the Central Park Five. And the Central Park Five case Mm -hmm. involved five black and Latino teenagers from Harlem who were convicted of raping and attacking a white female jogger back in 1989. Okay, maybe it is a little familiar. Yep. Yep. So in 2002, a serial rapist confessed to the crime while behind bars and they finally let the men free. So... Uh, This case became a marker to highlight problems of racial profiling and coercive interrogation tactics and crimes. And in 2014, the city of New York had to award the five men $41 million for wrongful imprisonment. It just uh, probably not each. Uh, How long were they in prison? um, That would be 13 years. Yeah. I would not make 41 million in 13 years. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, you wouldn't want that. <laughs> you want to be in prison for 13 years? <laughs> if I could get 41 million at the end, yeah. Well, think about the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably not at this age. Maybe if I was a young man, but not at this age. Uh, how about never? Because that would be horrible. Yeah. Well, hey, you get three squares and a place to live. Three hops you know, and a cot. You know, I'll tell you what, a little quick side tangent. I'm reading currently uh the grapes of wrath well by the time this airs it'll be long over but by john steinbeck i don't know if you guys are familiar with that book but it takes place during like the great depression and the dust bowl in oklahoma and all these people were forced off their land and all that stuff and these people had nothing and Mm. there was the the one main character it starts out and he just got out of jail goes to his family home and finds they're not there doesn't know where they're at the house is partially destroyed and he finds himself through the course of this journey, like he doesn't want to go back to prison, but things get so incredibly difficult where they're starving and all this stuff mm. that prison is becoming, you know, a, a place where like, oh, if I got in there, at least I'd be fed. I wouldn't starve. I'd have work. I do, you know, <laughs> and it's it's not far fetched. It sounds like the end of Shawshank Redemption where, mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Brooks was like. The world's gone and got itself in a damn hurry. And then he like yeah. he wants to try to get back into jail. 
Yeah, yeah. Or back into prison because it just couldn't deal with the real <laughs> I, life. I remember I was about 16, I suppose, in school. And we were one of our classes. I can't remember what it was. I don't know if it's social studies or what it was. And talking about prison. And, and I remember asking the question, like, well, and making a comment to the teacher that, you know, maybe prison's not so bad. You get a free education. You get fed every day. You get to work out all you want and everything <laughs> else. And I, I've never, I mean, I wasn't a trouble kid in school. That was the fastest I've seen anyone sent to the principal's office. I got <laughs> booted out of class. How dare you? These Jeez. people are, you know, <laughs> he it's was time mad. For scared straight, dude. Yeah. And I mean, so, you can learn a trade in prison too. Jeez. Well, yeah. You, yeah, you, you can, can trade college... cigarettes for protection <laughs> or <laughs> trade. Um, Dirty mind. Mike and the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty <All right>. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> this was some side tangent can we get back it to the was. list yeah let's get back there <laughs> all right kirk bloodsworth death row is reserved for the worst offenders but in 1985 kirk bloodsworth was convicted of the rape and murder of a nine-year-old girl in baltimore Oof. and even though he looked nothing like the sketch of the suspect multiple witnesses identified him and he spent almost nine years behind bar two of them on death row wow and upon release, he wanted to be exonerated. In 2004, he was the first death row inmate to be exonerated using DNA evidence. Hmm. So thanks to modern you know, forensics, they were able to exonerate him. And since then, several death row convictions have been similarly overturned. So can you imagine like waiting to die for, for two years hmm. on death row after spending seven in prison hmm. for something that you know you didn't do? Well, think about this, too. Even though his record has been exonerated... His reputation will never be fixed. There will always True. be a contingency of people that look at him and be like, oh, that's a child rapist. Because, you know, they, they see the splash headline when he's convicted and that's all. You know, they never see the rest. But what year was a, this? Mm. Well, he was 1985. Oh, well, then, yeah, it's not like the Internet or anything existed. So he could move out of state. and Nobody would know. What do you think? 85 was the Stone Ages? <laughs> no, but if if his record is exonerated, that means no other uh, police, uh, you know, department or whatever can look that up because it's gone. It's it's washed clean. So mm. unless he, I see what you're saying, runs into somebody that he knows, he can move to another state and his record's clean. But today, somebody could Google your name and find out. Oh, look at all these headlines. Even though he's exonerated, yeah, he was, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, charged and convicted. It's a different time. But no, it was. I mean, he didn't get out until. 2004 yeah so so it's still then. fairly yeah, modern still bbbs that's all it was what better business bureau no i'm sorry bbs's i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. i get my acronyms Two, all wrong. wait wait hold on a second jason you think in 2004 there was no, still I'm just lying. bulletin boards <laughs> yes that was <laughs> like, it I mean, I was in my 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 uh, my thirty six six modem. You know, I was connecting to the BBSs. And... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was poor. Okay. <laughs> hey, why don't you just go run regular internet? No, <laughs> BBS only. I've got yeah, so many of these discs from AOL. I'm, I'm not letting these away. floppy disks go. Yeah, exactly. And I used to get those floppy disks. I would erase them and I put games on them. Heck yeah, you did. Oh hmm. yeah. All right, number two. Two? I shouldn't say two. Number three. Yeah, <laughs> okay, we're almost we done already. <laughs> Anthony Porter. And that so, name sounds familiar. I don't know why. Um, Anthony Porter was 50 hours away from his death for Ooh. a 1982 shooting of a Chicago couple when he was granted a delay to review his mental capacity. 
And that gave um, Medill School of Journalism professor Dave Protess, a private investigator, and a team of students time to reopen the case. Another man confessed and Porter was released in 1999. Wow. Hmm. Interestingly, that man's conviction was also vacated after the court found the tactics used by the PI and professor were not legal. So oh. there was a few screw-ups. So he he it's confessed. Oh, pardon. <laughs> Two minutes too early. Well, back in the day, man, remember the detectives, they used to put the screw to them, you know? Ugh. Man. I mean, it, it three it days from you, being dead. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it really makes you think, like, I don't even know how to put it. Like, how many people are there wrongly and no one believes? Yeah. And how many of them, because quite frankly, I think it happens probably more frequently that the correct person is behind bars. Or they're they're captured, or you know, sometimes blatantly confessing, but because of some stupid legal technicality, they get off, and so you've got like mm-hmm. murderers and rapists walking scot free just because of a, a technical legal thing, you know, something well, wasn't filed right or whatever, yeah. and, and then you got these people that are truly innocent, you know, hours away from their death. That is, oh, insane. yeah. But think of the amount of people that were truly innocent that did get put to death. That probably happened a lot. I'm sure. I, I think it's. I, I should look it up. I wonder now, in today's day and age, if it happens as often as it did, say, like you wouldn't the, think so through no, the '70s so. and early '80s, like you say, with the rise of the internet, the technology on the crime side, where mm-hmm. you know technological advances are making it much, much smoother to be able to, you know, accurately. Find I mean, this we got. Stuff, uh, but, what was that? Predict crime or whatever from Minority Report. We got that, so you know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. What was that called? Predict a crime or? Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was no. predict a crime. <laughs> yeah, that what sounds was like it called? Yeah. sounds like, <laughs> like something from coffee. The, yeah, the dollar store. Predict a crime. Hey, put another quarter in the predict a crime. We got work to do. <laughs> All right, James Uh-oh, Richardson. I hear typing. He's looking you it know, up. <laughs> predict a crime. <laughs> James Richardson, a, a family tragedy led to a wrongful conviction for James Richardson in 1967. He was convicted in the poisoning deaths of his seven children. That's Ugh. horrific. The babysitter and neighbor Betsy Reese initially led the, led the police to the poison. After 21 years in prison, including five on death row, a new theory changed the story. An aging Reese, the neighbor, confessed something about, I killed those kids. The investigation was reopened, and they found out that she was the last to feed the kids and had a personal grudge against Richardson, and he was freed in 1989. Hmm. So not only did he lose his entire family, he went to prison for 21 years, including five on death row. See, now here's the wow. thing. It's a good thing that he was on death row for five years, and this was able to come out, because if he had been put to death right away, it would have been you know five years later this would have come out. But why is anybody on death row for five years? If you were convicted and uh, convicted to be to put to death, why is it? Why are we still okay? That's a whole nother thing. But I mean, that's a lot of money to keep that somebody alive for five years and leave them on death row. Mm. It but is, especially when if there's a way that you know it's accurate, hundred percent, locked up tight, everything's good. I don't see any point in it. But I think what this list is showing us is there's plenty of reason to say, well, maybe we better hold off to be sure. 
But at that point, why is he in jail in the first place? You know, it gets to a whole nother issue. But yeah. if you're I not don't know sure, how it works. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, now, in Minority Report, it was pre-crime, just so everybody knows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pre-what? Uh, how pre-crime. Does... <laughs> <laughs> so, pre-crime. <laughs> Death Row, also known as Condemned Row, is a place in prison that houses inmates awaiting execution after being convicted of a capital crime mm-hmm. and sentenced to death. If the jury agrees on death, the defendant will re- remain on death row during appeal and habeas corpus procedures, which may continue for several decades. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about habeas corpus, but it sounds pretty Latin. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Greek to you. It's Latin. <laughs> no. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> oh man. In law, it's uh, it's it's a recourse in law through which a person can report an unlawful detention or imprisonment to a court. And request that the court order the custodian of the person, usually a prison official, to bring the prisoner to court to determine whether the detention is lawful. I don't understand how that fits in. I'm not a lawyer. There you go. All right. So He's not a lawyer. Did you hear that, everyone? That's right, everybody. Don't take my advice. (laughs) William Dillon. A wrongful conviction ruined William Dillon's chances of baseball stardom. In 1981, the 21-year-old was being scouted by the Detroit Tigers, and days before the tryouts, he was arrested for the beating death of James Dvorak. Although Dylan didn't fit the suspect's description and wasn't even at the same location as the victim at the time of the incident, he was convicted with a life sentence. In 2007, an appeal for DNA evidence was successful, and he was cleared. I just want to inspire people and show you, and show them you can come from a place without hope, he shared with the Huffington Post before singing the national anthem at a baseball game. Hmm. So 1981 through 2007, that is a long time. That is 26 years in jail, in prison. Well, for- and, and look at, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the real, uh, I just shouldn't, how do I put this? I don't want to sound insensitive. The real tragedy is what I was going to say. I mean, obviously, aside from the victim and, and the actual crime, but the real tragedy in this case, you look at it, and it, it happens with everyone, not just athletes. I mean, it could be anyone. But when you look at this, this is a, a real clear example. You have someone who was set up to make major life-changing money playing a professional sport as a professional professional athlete. By the time he got out of jail, had he had all that not happened and this mistake wasn't made, well, he could have had been... a full a full career in the in the big leagues been a multi-million or billionaire and, you know, basically been a celebrity, who knows? But now all he can do is, is be, you know, kind of trotted out there for lack of a better term as an inspiration. And I hate to say it coldly like that, but it's, it's the truth where all of that potential is gone. He's too old. He can't do it anymore. And the other aspect to it too, Dave, is if this murder never took place, we wouldn't be using QWERTY right now. (laughs) What? Okay, where's the A- joke? Adam gets it. What was the name of the guy that got murdered? Dvorak. Uh, gotcha. Oh, nice. Gotcha. <laughs> that was a good, a good reach. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to go back because that, that list was fairly short. There's another list of the same type from sddefenseattorneys.com. Oh. And they go into a little more depth on that Central Park 5. You know, this is... The na- when what they go on to say is the nature and location of the crime capitul- ca- catapulted the case into the head. <laughs> capitulated. I almost said capitulated. <laughs> but the media and city leaders put immense pressure on the judicial, judicial system to hold someone accountable. 
And despite the lack of concrete concrete evidence, they charged those five guys, Mm -hmm. which is just terrible. Scared and at times threatened most confessed. And one young man later said he never spoke to his father again as his father told him to confess so the police could help him, even though he thought he told him he was innocent. Mm-hmm. And so later, later years, the men spoke of their harrowing ordeals, the trauma and the abuse they suffered during the process and in prison, and the toll being part of a famous uh, wrongful conviction case still takes on them. You know, wasn't there something that just happened recently in the last few years where they, this had come to the light again? Because I'm starting to remember more of this, and they were mm-hmm. coerced into uh, admitting guilt. Um, yeah, I want. Wasn't there a movie that came out? Was it just recent, like in the last five years? I bet. Right? Yeah. Was it a movie or the, a Netflix? What was series? the name of this group again? The what? The five? Central Park Five. Yeah. Um, the Exonerated Five, Innocence Lost. I mean, these guys. These guys were four. One of them, like yeah, fourteen when they when they found him guilty. Okay, so Netflix has a series yep. out there called When They See Us. Yeah, 2019. Um, I knew it was recent. Yeah, five teams check from Harlem become trapped. It's a five, uh, looks like a five-episode season kind of limited run series, mm. but yeah, based on the true story. I'm sure yeah, uh, if it's on Netflix, I'm sure it's been uh, a little well, well, bit fictionalized. but Sure, but what was oh, it called? No. When They See Us, I believe it was. Okay, When They See Us. Yeah. Yeah, we'll check when that out. They see us. So there's another one here, Henry and Leon McCollum. Mm-hmm. Henry McCollum was 19 years old and his brother Leon 15 when law enforcement wrongfully charged them with a gruesome crime ending the death of ending in the death of an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. The police interrogated them with no lawyer present for hours on end. The case never received the notoriety of some others, but a lot in the legal community consider it one of the most ro- worst wrongful conviction cases because it had apparent police misconduct involved two young brothers. It failed to find the true killer of a child at the time, and it took three decades of life away from these guys. Man. After nearly 31 years in prison, the court exonerated them based on DNA evidence. Hmm. 31 years. That's that's like a, that's an entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. So how much money did they get? Doesn't say anything about that, but that sucks. You know, is there any... I mean, obviously, if you're wrong, wrongfully convicted like that... I'm all for, you know, take it to the bank, get as much as you can. But the reality is, is there any amount of money you could be given in a lawsuit? So let's say they gave you $50 million. Yes, you're filthy, stinking rich, but you still lost 31 years of your life. Like Uh, Exactly. You you lost 31 years. Possibly your parents are dead because it's been 31 years. And think how much everything's changed, you know, in 31 years. But what what that money is going to do? It's going to let them hopefully be able to enjoy something of their life before yeah. they die, instead of sending them out with a hundred bucks like they used to do when you left so, prison. So, according yeah. to another another article on Death Penalty Information Center, it says that um, these two were arrested. They were both intellectually disabled. Mm. Oh, geez. To top Man. it off, and they were they were awarded seventy five million dollars for the police misconduct that led to their their sending him to death row man but oh my gosh how terrible is that yeah after the jury announced the award mccollum said i've got my freedom there's still a lot of innocent people in prison today and they don't deserve to be there yeah um which is probably true there's plenty that right. do belong there but like how do you yikes it, it's scary to think about you know this happening mm-hmm. can, I, can i ask a, a kind of tangent question um how do i 
it's it's not necessarily related to any specific case, but where do you guys stand on true crime as entertainment? You know what I mean? As I far as like podcasts and, and that kind of stuff. I, I, I find it fascinating and I actually, I like some of that stuff. Okay. I used to love unsolved mysteries. That was, that was mm. a good one for me. Like Dateline podcast. Fantastic. You know, they yeah. dig into some of that stuff. Well, and you, you know, we see the multiple Netflix series. I mean, you look at true crime in the podcast. World, oh, it's huge. Yeah. It's massive. And I don't know. It, there, I it's always fascinating. Used, I always used to get really fascinated by it. I know my wife loves it. She'll watch Dateline every week, you know, in the evening and, uh, you know, what is it, Friday nights or whatever, and loves all these, you know, deep dives into crime and, you know. Yep, and the psychology of criminals. Yeah. yeah. But for me, the last couple of years, I don't know what it is. It, it, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm just weird maybe. Obviously, we know that. But I just no. have a real hard time with – Yes, it's fascinating. It's heartbreaking oftentimes, but I have a real hard time with true crime as entertainment. When I think of it from, okay, Netflix did this series. What was their big one? Their first one, uh, one of the first ones, uh, To Make a Killer or whatever it was. Something like that, that yeah. That that big one. And that's an ongoing case. You know, there's been breaks in the case because of that series and all this stuff. And Netflix is making bank off that. And these poor people's lives have been trashed or in any normal thing, you know, like this is a case of someone's wife or daughter or, or brother or husband that's been brutally yeah. murdered. And then it's getting put out there as entertainment. And that's one of those things I, I have a real, well, like, I don't hate it, but at the same yeah, time, I feel I, just I, real uneasy with it. I know what you're saying, but at the same, they're not like, you know, fetishizing or or glamorizing the crime part they're 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 also getting the message out there of what's going on in some of these cases and a lot of times like the the families of these victims they mm-hmm. they want the public to hear this stuff yeah. to know exactly well, what happened fair. you know looking for justice and you know there's you know I don't even know how to say it I mean there's if you've got this hole in your life from from someone being gone it's I mean they're yeah. they're they're crying out and and in a lot of cases if it it, just having public support from knowing about, you know, what somebody did and, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe that's helpful, but there is something strange about it. Like it's, it's really fascinating and I, I don't want to say super enjoyable and enter- it, it is entertaining, but it's mm-hmm. also like, I think that's human nature to be really curious about some of these things because it's so out of the norm for most of us. Right. To and go, it's, wow. It's so weird for me because I love like horror fiction podcasts and books and novel, you know, all this stuff, movies, I'll, I'll watch a, a horror about a, uh, you know, or, or read a horror story about, you know, some crazy sure. stuff and it, it's entertainment. It's fine. But when I know it's all like, this is a true story and it's horrifying like that. I don't know. I just feel like, oh man, it hits different for me. It's, it's a weird thing. Like, I, although I will say based on Jason's comment about unsolved mysteries, that's the one caveat I have with it when they're unsolved mysteries, Mm-hmm. Just the, I guess it's just the fact that it's kind of, you know, yep. still out there like, boy, I wonder what did happen. Those yeah. are a little different for me. Yeah. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it's just absolutely fascinating. Like to go and you'll see them talk, go into the psychology of, of some of this mm-hmm. stuff and, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I think if, if the victim's families were, were to object, yeah. I would, I would agree with them. Like mm-hmm. if they didn't want it publicized, you know. But anyway, well, yeah. And, well, I was just, just going to say, I, unlike you guys, I've not listened to any true crime podcasts at all. I have listened to quite a few different uh, true mime podcasts. Mm. Uh, not a lot of They're substance, really quiet. though. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's, a, so it's more of a feel thing. <laughs> Thanks for talking over my joke there, Adam. <laughs> well, welcome. we had, I don't want to derail us too much, but a couple of cases, you know, Minnesota up in this neck of the woods where we're all from, there, there was a, there's a missing child case that's still open, unsolved from must be what, 10, 12 years ago now. I forget how many with, they call her Beaner. Um, you guys remember that? Mm-mm. No. You don't remember that? This girl in, uh, should I say the name of the town? I guess it doesn't matter. Um, Warner I've been is the out last of a, name. I've been in Ohio for about 16 years, 17 Yeah, years. this this happened when you were still living here this <clears throat> in the summer. You said 12 years ago. Yeah, it's been longer than that, I think. It's been quite a while now. This young girl, I can't remember if she was 10 or 12 or 8 or something like that, um went missing on a in the summer and in in small town Chisholm. She disappeared. To this day they don't know where she went. And, you know, they've had multiple people they've thought were suspects and leads and nothing, you know, it's just went cold, total cold case. There was another one uh, back in 1986, a woman in the same town named Nancy Doherty. She was last seen at a bar and then found, I believe it was a couple days later uh, in her home where someone, you know, people had called for a welfare check because no one had heard from her. They found her sexually assaulted, beaten, raped, you know, the whole nine yards, she was killed. And that was a cold case from 1986 all the way up until the summer of 2020. And in the summer of 2020, it was COVID. No, they arrested a guy that lived next door and he still lived up here in this town. The case is still, I think, ongoing, but DNA evidence they found on the scene, they ran it at the time, but it didn't match anything in the system. And so it was a, it was a dead case. They followed leads and everything else. But now with the new technology, apparently this guy's stuff had gotten the system or whatever, and they were able to match it up and and make the arrest. And so after, I guess the guy that they you know that they've charged with doing it, it's still ongoing. He was eighteen at the time, and she was in her early twenties, I think. So, I mean, there's just a lot of crazy stuff that happens all around mm-hmm. us. I mean, it's not just like big cities well, like, oh, Chicago's got a lot of murder or New York. No, I mean, know. think back to Jacob Wetterling, right? When yep, another that big was like Minnesota the, the, one. That was the that was the biggest. Well, that, and that, that was one the thing was just that changed too, right? Yeah, and that that was the thing that changed. Remember, we've talked about this before. That, that was changed salt? innocence. Yep. Did yeah. It? Yeah, it who was. The, who did they find out did that? Oh, what um, was it? Someone that I, I want to say it was someone that lived just a, a, a town or two over. If I remember, he was a rapist or something. That a, Danny uh, Heinrich. Yeah, there was, was something. Him? He had been arrested for other crime. I don't know if it was rape or or pedophilia or something, but in a few towns over, and no one ever put the two together. And they finally got some kind of crack in the case after you know that was early eighties, mid eighties, and that was just what twenty must have been twenty nineteen, twenty twenty when that one got cracked and solved. Uh, 2016, and oh, and actually, I mean, they didn't actually technically charge him either. Oh, really? So I think there was a plea agreement, according to Wikipedia. Um, so Heinrich decided to cooperate. Um, in 2015, Danny James Heinrich was publicly named as person of interest, and he had been questioned by the FBI back in '89, and a DNA sample was taken, but he was not charged. In 2015, his DNA was matched to the DNA case uh, in the case of another. Um, abduction from Jared Sherrill, who was abducted nearby Cold Spring in 89 at the age of 12. The statute of limitations had expired for the Cold Spring kidnapping, 
meaning he couldn't be arrested and charged with that crime. However, a search warrant was granted and child pornography was found in Heinrich's house, leading to his arrest in 2015. He decided to cooperate with authorities as part of a plea bargain and on September 1st, 2016, led investigators to a burial site. Jacob's clothing and human remains were unearthed from a pasture near Painesville, about 30 miles away from Wetterling Home and the abduction site, and a short distance from where Heinrich was living in 1989. Hmm. And on September 3rd, the remains were confirmed through dental records to be Jacob's. His mother, Patty Wetterling, told Carol Levin that the remains found were indeed Jacob's, and she said, all I can confirm is that Jacob has been found and our hearts are broken. I'm not responding to any media. And the so plea ready? agreement... Go ahead. Uh, Heinrich agreed to plead guilty to one count of the 25 federal child pornography charges brought against him. Mm -hmm. In addition to revealing the location of the body and pleading guilty, he also agreed to testify as to the details of the Wetterling crime. At a hearing before, uh, before Judge John Tunheim of the United States District Court, Heinrich testified that he kidnapped and handcuffed the boy, drove him to a gravel pit near Painesville, molested him, killed him, buried his body. Yeah. He was able to avoid police that night by listening to a police scanner. Hmm. Uh, he came back to the site a year later and moved the body after noticing the jacket had become exposed. During the hearing, Heinrich also admitted to kidnapping and sexually assaulting Jared Sherrill, Sherrill earlier that year. And in exchange for his plea, prosecutors agreed not to charge him with Wetterling's murder. In accordance with the plea agreement, Heinrich was sentenced to the maximum prison term of 20 years for the child pornography. In addition, the plea deal will allow state authorities to seek his civil commitment as a sexual predator at the end of his federal prison term which could prevent him from going free. So you want to hear something even more crazy? I, f I found an article from NPR News from September 25th, 2018, with Danny Heinrich, the guy that was charged. And it's got conversations they released, Stearns County released uh, 41,000, almost 42,000 pages of documents from their file. In after, a, after his confession, two months after his confession, there was a phone call he had with his brother, um, Heinrich the killer. He told his brother that ever since he confessed to the 1989 abduction and killing of Waterling, I'm being treated by people totally different than I used to be, and that many people are angry that he was charged with child pornography, not murder. But that's the deal I made, yeah. Heinrich said. I didn't have to confess to this because they didn't have S on me, you know, shit on me as far as Wetterling goes until I confessed. So they never would have known who I was if I wouldn't have said anything. Heinrich then went on to say he was a monster back then, but I stopped. I haven't had no sexual contact with anybody since that night. Nobody. When, I, when he got home that night, he said he, he cried and said, my God, what have I done? I don't know what went wrong. Everything went wrong. So he apparently w was shaken there. But this guy sounds like he's just whining like people don't like me now. Um, he complained about boredom in jail, worried how long he might be in prison and how old he'll be when he gets out. He, he's scheduled to be released in 2033 when he's 70. Um, no, no, he, he's older than that, isn't he? No. What? It says he's scheduled to be released in 2033 when he's 70. Oh, so, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and then he says, to, to wrap up this article, it says, during another phone call on November 9th of 2016, Heinrich said, when he's released, he can never come back to Minnesota because he could be civilly committed as a sex offender. That's why I'm going to fight like hell not to come back to Minnesota because this state hates me, he told his brother. Uh, no kidding. What a piece of crap. Yeah. What the? And those are the come ones on. where it's like, look, I, I don't want to sound radical. People like that, they've confessed. 
Everything's there. Why are we paying to keep this guy alive? He's a human piece of trash. Get rid of him. He took that poor kid's life, ruined that family's life. What are we doing here? Yep. And and then he's complaining after the fact that people don't like me. You know, this state hates me. Uh, yeah, no kidding. You're a monster. Yep. Oof. Wow. Well, I, I, I just got to say uh, to our listeners, hey, thank you for all uh, for tuning in to the new podcast we have, Murder Mayhem, uh, with uh, Adam, Dave, and Jason. <laughs> yep. And we can't wait until next week where we talk about Jack the Ripper. Yes. Dude, about Jack- these people, <laughs> even though I, I don't really listen to them, and it's a massive thing, these true crime podcasts, my hat's off to them because if you're going to do that kind of a show... Do you have any idea the amount, insane amounts of time and effort it takes to research all these cases and write it all? It is insane. In no way, I am not doing that. No, most definitely. (laughs) And uh, I do have to say, Adam, from now on, come on, we are a lighthearted show. We we like to entertain with laughs and fun, etc. And you had to pull out this, really, dude. Yep. I did. (laughs) I I don't know. I thought it was an interesting change of pace. You know, something a little different. It is a little bit different, but you know they're used to you with the voices and Dave with the mm. nonstop talk and <laughs> and you know me with the whiny voice. You know they, that's what they're looking for. Next time, Adam, when we give you this challenge, can we get some cryptid fun? <laughs> yes, I'm just saying. I mean, I know we love that too. Cryptocurrency I, I, fun? No, okay, I get it. You guys don't like this. I I enjoyed this list. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was a, a I, interesting list. It's fascinating. It. It's you fascinating did a nice job. Hey, thanks. At least I'm, one I'm of us. I'm not criticizing it. you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, well I, I'm just worried about what our listeners think. That's all I'm worried about. Well, who cares about them? <laughs> I'm just kidding. What? I'm kidding. That is Dave at the digital. No, wait. That's the old show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's all right to throw something different in once in a while. But it next is. time I will get that's lighthearted. That's what she said. <laughs> oh. And with that, I guess. I- I guess that wraps it up, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, no. I didn't mean it like that. Oh, I couldn't Uh, help it. I'm going to wrongfully imprison Jason pretty soon here. (laughs) Hey, well, we have to end the podcast on a fun note, so that's what we're doing. (laughs) Awesome. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time.